This is the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. Welcome back to another episode of the Oil and Gas Startup Podcast. I'm obviously here with my co-host, Colin McClellan. What's up? What's going on, my man? We are here, I wouldn't say live because we're not recording live, but we're at WESC. What does WESC stand for? Weatherford Enterprise Software Conference. Okay. So we're here live with the one and only Manoj. What is your actual title? Is it Global Product Line Director of Production Automation and Software? Man, yeah. that is the world's longest. I know. <laughs> that is the world's <laughs> longest title. They, they, they do it because they call it Product Line. So you can just say Global Director for Production Automation and Software. That's, that's all you say. You're just the head man, head man of technology over here. Um, so tell us a little bit about what Wesk is, what you guys are doing here. Give us a little background. Actually, maybe we start off with the background of you first. Okay. Yeah. And kind tell of us how about yourself. Yeah. yeah, so I've, I've been um, at Weatherford since the past five years, I've done multiple roles where I've taken care of uh, different business lines. Since the past two years, I've been taking care of the production software business. And now the business has evolved into more of production automation and software together. So I take care of both these product lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been in the oil field for almost 10 plus years now. And prior to working in the oil field, I was part of a management consulting firm. And before that, I was uh, working in software development for almost seven years with Microsoft, Adobe Systems, TCS, mm-hmm. Infosys. Okay. So just to give the, the listeners some context, obviously this is a Willing Gas Startup Podcast. And what we have discovered kind of just knowing Manoj and knowing the Weatherford team over the past few months is that, to be honest, you know, Colin and I coming in, we, we thought Weatherford was going to be a lot like a lot of the other service companies. You know, we thought it was this, you know, this big behemoth that was going to be slow to adopt any kind of new technology. The innovation wasn't going to be there. And we were completely blown away with what you guys have been doing. And so it seems like the story that you told us off the air a few weeks ago is that your department is almost like a little startup within Weatherford. Talk, can you touch to that a little bit and kind of that process of kind of how you got to where you guys are at with Foresight? Sure, sure. And yeah, that that, that makes sense because uh, we are very agile in what we do today. And our story always has been that we've been always siloed in our development process. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we started or restarted the whole production software business, what we did was we looked at all our portfolio of different applications and what was relevant to the market and what was relevant to us. And that's where we went on a very detailed exercise where we said, look, we're going to consolidate our applications to two platforms. One, mm-hmm. which is Signet, uh, which is focused specifically on SCADA, and now it's transforming to IoT. The second one was production optimization. Mm-hmm. So we had a bunch of applications for optimization in real time, as well as asset optimization, mm-hmm. as well as modeling. And we said we are going to combine all of those into one production optimization yeah. platform. Because you guys had grown up to this point essentially by acquisition. Correct. And so Correct. you had bought you know, you had different code bases, you had different databases, right. and you guys were having to manage all of that moving exactly. forward. And exactly. You needed a consolidation. Yes, yes. Yeah. Because there was complexity in the yeah. development process and there was complexity in the commercial process as well mm-hmm. because of all the multiple applications that we had in our portfolio. And that's when we really said, let's rationalize to two key platforms, right? Let's give our clients what they want and it's easier for us to develop and to commercialize. So the Foresight is the production optimization platform for us mm-hmm. and Insignet is our SCADA platform. And what we did was about a couple of years back, we said in order to innovate into the future, what we need to do is we need to understand where we want to be from a technology perspective as well. And 
And what we did was we started looking at multiple technology paradigms. One of the key paradigms we looked at was Industry 4.0. And we said, how can we take uh, the Industry 4.0 technologies such as Internet of Things, cloud computing, edge computing, analytics, and merge that with our production domain expertise and experience, right? Mm -hmm. And we said, let's create this vision for our software and for our hardware in the production space. And then let's start innovating. And we didn't want to build a big behemoth what mm -hmm. we said was we'll take chunks of these and then release slowly to the market but release slowly doesn't mean that we develop slowly what we mean is we'll be very agile in our development process but we will start releasing based on what the market needs are versus what the market priorities are so that was a combination of prioritization both on our end as well as from a market perspective and i think that is one of the reasons why we've been able to be so agile and faster to the market as compared to rest of our competition mm -hmm. and so i also mean a lot of listeners understand what you know kind of the space that i've been in this entire time and obviously understanding especially now with WellHub, we have to integrate in with a significant amount of different pieces of software. So we intrinsically understand how they work. And I was blown away when we were at ATCE, whenever you guys were showing off Foresight, I was like, yeah, that's what I was is, about to say. When, I was like, well, for one, the, the first thing that catches your eye is that the, the UI, there was obviously some thought given to that right, right off the bat, right. right? And you're like, okay, well, this is snazzy. And then as I was talking to your guys before we had never even talked, it was kind of, you know, talking about the different tech stacks that you guys were using. And it was just extremely impressive, you know? And so it's very easy for me to say that from everything that I've seen on the market, it seems so far that this is pretty much second to none in the, in the production software space. Or even walking around ATCE and, you know, you're looking at other softwares that are out there and you're oh just like, God laughing like you know is that made on windows xp yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know it still all looks like outdated software and then you know we met uh met up with the weatherford guys over at their booth and can't remember one of the account managers for you guys gave us the demo of foresight and jake and i were looking at each other like man this is nice software not something that you'd expect to see from a big company like weatherford uh, to be honest because all the other software that's been you know, kind of churned out from big companies tends to be subpar based on what you'd see from a startup that specializes in uh, creating software. So, and then on that talking point, it kind of, you know, me looking outside, uh, outside in on Weatherford kind of seems like you guys are positioning yourself as a digital service company, you know, going kind of transforming the new oil. Yeah. Kind know, of, kind of the resource kind of transforming from a hardware and, um, physical equipment service. You know, I, I think Weatherford liquidated, don't, don't quote me on this if I'm wrong, but I think they liquidated their pressure pumping division in 2017 Just in the U S market. Okay. In the U S market. And so you start to see kind of like a shift from physical equipment to now offering digital and automation, which is really cool. Cause I see you guys kind of setting yourself as the leader there. So our, our strategy when it comes to the offerings to the market, right, is all about impacting the performance of the operations that we do. So for uh, example, in the production space, what we are really talking about is we do not want to go to our clients and sell them widgets, whether it's an artificial lift, whether it's a flow meter or whether it's a piece of software license. What we want to really give them is a solution that will ultimately impact their production performance. And that's really the whole basis for how we are shaping all of our offerings, whether they are in software or whether they are in hardware and we understand that you know the digital space is really the foundation for delivering performance in the true sense because what you the changes that have occurred in the digital space, especially on the industry 4.0 paradigm, can let you do a lot with the data that you have and can let you help a lot with the decision making that has been constrained because of, uh, you know, 
limitations in technology or infrastructure for example and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to progress faster in the digital space so we can make an improvement significant improvement in our hardware offering as well again because our vision is to deliver production performance it's mm-hmm. not about selling widgets yeah so one of your flagship products that you talked about was Signet. And I, it's my understanding you guys have a significant amount of market share, significant amount of customers with Signet. Yeah. You know, that has been, I, think I would consider to be the market leader in SCADA systems. I think we talked about this before. SCADA systems have had a little bit of an uphill battle when it comes to adoption. I think back in the day, a lot of the systems were not specifically Signet, but just the things in the market. Maybe some other players kind of ruined it for everybody, but you know, it was it was expensive. The sensors broke all the time. And so well, I've seen it working with, with numerous operators where they're just like, yeah, we're just not really interested. Or we've got a pumper in the field anyways. So to segue into that, I mean, obviously you mentioned that you guys are moving from you know a traditional SCADA system to more of like an IoT mm-hmm. type system. For those who are listening, what is what is the difference between those two and where is that going? Sure. So you're right. I mean, Signet as a SCADA platform has been in the market for long and it is pretty, we have a very huge market share, especially in the North American market, a significant fan following. Now, one of the things that are kind of a limitation for SCADA is, you know, the amount of the way in which the data transfer happens. We want faster alerts. We want better quality alerts. We also want to make sure that the data is accessible by other applications. And this is really when we started to move Signet towards being an IoT platform in addition to the traditional SCADA support as well. So what we are doing is we are making it compatible with the well-known MQTT protocol. Now, the difference here is that, you know, when you do traditional SCADA polling, it works on a polling mechanism. So it, it, it tries to pull the data, right? And the, the polling of the data happens at a particular frequency. But in the case of an IoT platform, the difference is it's a publish and subscribe methodology, which means that any application which is supposed to be subscribing to the IoT publisher can get the data whenever they want. The second thing is because of the publish mechanism, you can have instant notifications. So for example, if there is an alert that happens at this particular point of time, that alert does not have to wait till the next polling happens from a SCADA perspective. The alert can be instantaneously sent back to the subscriber of that particular data. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's one of the key differences. The second key thing is there is a lot of improved security as well as authentication and encryption when it comes to the MQTT protocol. So contrary to the public belief that you know because we're going MQTT, uh, the data may not be secure, actually it's the other way around. There is a lot of security. Yeah. And uh, on the SCADA side that some of the old systems could have been hacked because it was essentially radio waves. Correct. Very, very easy to break into that. And the third part is because of this model of publish and subscribe, your data, which was pretty much siloed and locked inside your SCADA systems, can be easily accessible and available for other type of applications which can subscribe to this data. Mm -hmm. So now you pretty much open the data to be consumed rather than when it was only limited to the SCADA application in the backend. Yeah. And so on the IoT side, obviously, I think one of the biggest challenges there would be access to signal, either you know, cell phone signal, satellite signal, Wi-Fi signal. How are you guys either handling that problem or tackling that problem kind of moving forward? Yeah, so what we do, that's a, that's a very good question, actually. And it's, it's a significant issue everywhere in the market today. So what we do is we pretty much work with our customers uh, using the network bandwidth that they have, right? And we try to make sure that 
their network bandwidth is sufficient on the other hand if there are serious network issues uh, we have tied up with some partners and we are working with some other partners in the networking space where we can use a different type of network you know how should i say facilities for example right mm-hmm. so whether the network could be a cellular network whether the network could be a gsm or a satellite based network and that those are the kind of partners that we are working with right now yeah on the uh, data transmission you know it's the biggest barrier when you're talking about iot and that's what i i'm a little concerned with when you look at some of the smaller independent operators that want to utilize and leverage the new technology the new software the new iot automation some of the bigger companies, they have the infrastructure in there when it comes to data transmission, whether it's running off of cell uh, towers or satellite. Mm-hmm. And it may not be economically viable for some of the smaller companies at this point, which... Right. We, have, we had a good example. I mean, I spent the last the last week out in Oklahoma, unfortunately, dealing with our wells. I and mean, half <laughs> that was paperwork, but the other half I was actually on site. And We spent a good hour yesterday talking about how we could create our own automated drone out on our wells to watch our wells for us. But we're like, yeah, we could do it. But the issue for us is data transmission at this point. And we were like, well, what if the drone could just like automatically find signal? Like they could like fly to where signal's at and then transmit and then go back. And then we're like, where do we put the drone? We're like, well, maybe we have like a drone garage. Like, you know, a little door opens up and it like parks itself and charges or something. Got its own little bat cave out on location. You know, but but that's, that's a very real issue for us. But the biggest thing is, you know, we were in the middle of middle of Oklahoma, there's no, I don't have cell phone signal. I don't have anything remotely yeah. close. And then yeah. even when you get in the car, I'm like 45 minutes from getting cell phone signal. Right. Right. You know, and, and then so, if you use satellite, satellites costly. No, and that's, well, a, so. that's a very, uh, that's a very uh, practical problem to be very frank. And yeah. that's where, when I mentioned that we are tying up with partners who can provide us the network infrastructure, right? Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, that particular area, if it has a cellular network, then the network will be available for our clients. If it has a satellite, network then yeah. that network will be available so our partners are such that you basically just hook up the device and then whatever the network is available will consume that network so we are working with these partners to create enterprise plans for us so that we can provide these kind of infrastructure network infrastructure op- options at a much cheaper cost as compared to what they would have to do if they would have to invest by themselves Mm. That's really good. Yeah. And I think we were actually talking about this at Weatherford's booth at ATCE, but we're talking about some of the uh, augmented reality and uh, virtual reality startups out there. And, you know, they're like, oh, we want to be able to, you know, present images to our our field hands that are out there and we're going to stream, stream these images to them. I'm like, how are you going to stream images to their to their glasses i can't even make a phone call out there much less stream a 4k picture so that's another you know i don't think a lot of people think about that when they're developing these technologies that they're used in some very barren you know it's important to go to the field like if you're thinking about building a technology go spend a week in the field and understand what the terrain's like yeah you know yep i made that mistake very early on in my career in oil we built that mobile application that we thought everybody was going to use and just the, it's the nature of what you're not gonna have an ipad while you're checking tanks yeah you're not i mean it's just doesn't make sense but you know what's needed is a company like weatherford that's already got a lot of clout in the industry yeah. coming up with these industry partnerships to build network hubs right, right. and get emps used to that mainframe network and then startups early stage startups that are coming in the space uh, eventually will be able to kind of build off that infrastructure uh, i think it's, i imagine yeah i think it's easy for this conversation to kind of think about the established emps and coming in and you know completely revolutionizing the way that they do things internally and improving processes and stuff and i think we kind of overlook there's so many new startup emps and i think 
we've seen it re- recently with people reaching out to us that more and more people are putting thoughts into their data strategy you know, and just, you know, the software and the hardware that they're putting out there from day one, you know, they're reaching out, how can we build, you know, the ideal ecosystem? How can we automate this? Yeah. You know, and I think culturally we're finally getting to that point. I think, you know, companies like you guys are, are leading the charge on that. You know, it's, it's an exciting time to be in this space and, you know, it makes our lives a lot easier and a lot more <laughs> fun being able to implement some cool stuff out there. Yeah. So do we talk about the new stuff that you guys launched or did we just talk about the other stuff? Yeah. So we talked about Signet, getting it to the part of the production 4.0 yeah, yeah. story, right? And I mentioned earlier that Foresight as our production optimization platform, we already started on this journey for making it production 4.0 compatible uh, last year. So we introduced uh, analytics using machine learning as mm-hmm. well as physics-based models in Foresight last year. This year, what we've done is as part of, again, the production 4.0 story, we've launched both uh, Foresight as well as Signet on the Google Cloud, uh, which is publicly available, but which also means that if some of our clients want to implement Foresight and Signet in their own private cloud network, we would be able to do that as well. And today, Foresight and Signet are basically being installed uh, as an on-premise solution for all of our clients. What are you seeing as the preference? So like six years ago, whenever we launched GDS, where it was 100% cloud-based and everybody said, we are never in a million years going to put ourselves in the cloud. And I'm like, well, you do online banking and this is Mm -hmm. extremely secure. So Mm -hmm. what are you worried about? And obviously I think that's changed, but what are you seeing with maybe particularly some of your bigger clients? Are they doing more on-prem? Are they doing more, maybe private clouds? Are they doing more public clouds with you guys? It's it's really a mix. Actually, yeah. I have not seen a major player going directly to a public cloud. Yeah. Only a few. I have seen them, which I don't know what the name right now. But a lot of the small players are very flexible to going towards yeah. the cloud-based mm-hmm. solutions because it saves them a huge amount of cost. Yeah, it's too expensive right? for these companies and to have on-premise you know, yeah. data centers yeah. and mm-hmm. IT teams yeah, to exactly. go with it. Exactly. So that is really where it is at. On the other hand, you know, we sell not only in the North American market, but also in the international markets. And the cloud concept, at least from an oil and gas perspective, is coming there. I mean, there are a lot of discussions that we are having with our clients who are interested in cloud-based solutions, but it hasn't reached to a point where they are willing to completely convert into a cloud-based solution. Uh, Their option is more of cloud implementations, more as a private cloud rather than as a public cloud. Mm. Okay. So let's talk about one of the big issues. And I think we talked about this prior. Getting stuff into the system. It's only if you got garbage in, you get garbage out. Right. Do you guys have anything, any kind of process that you're you're using to ensure data quality, or is it kind of is that left on the customers? Or are you guys consulting on that capacity? Yeah, I mean, data quality and solving data quality is a very complex issue. We have a lot of um, checks and balances within Mm -hmm. our technology that can take care of basic data quality. But uh, we haven't reached a level of advanced data quality from Mm -hmm. an automatic or automated perspective within our software during the data acquisition itself. So that is really somewhere something where we work, our services teams work with our clients yeah. in order to make sure that the data streams are having a proper quality. Yeah, we have to do the same thing on the yeah. well hub side. I mean, if you don't have the, the data quality there, then you don't have the confidence that what you're looking at is actually accurate and then you kind of lose all yeah. buy-in from the company. And next thing you know, you know once, you lose, once you lose faith, it's over. Completely being ripped out. Well, I know you're on a tight schedule. I know you got a client meeting here yeah. in a second. Yeah, Man- Manoj is a busy man. He has to cut out. 
Yeah, we pretty he's, much he's we, just, we just slide in here, steal them away really quickly. <laughs> no, but Kill the last thing, the I think the, the one thing that I would like to leave with is, again, you know, Weatherford as part of its whole production performance philosophy, right? Uh, we are moving towards the production 4.0 uh, paradigm. And we believe the production 4.0 paradigm, as far as that technology is con- are concerned, is here. And we have a unique first mover advantage in this space. Now, I did talk about uh, Foresight and Signet is part of the production 4.0 story. But the other thing that we have done, as I said earlier, right, we've not just limited the production 4.0 concepts for our software, uh, we have implemented it for our hardware as well. So the f- the release that we, the announcement that we did today at the WESC, there were two new uh, products that we've unveiled in the market. One is called Foresight Sense, which is a unique sensor which has our patented technology that can identify surface level failures for pumping units, mm. uh, looking at the wrist pin, bearing wear and tear. Uh, and that is well integrated within Foresight. That is the first entry of hardware into our production 4.0 space. The second entry that we have done in the production 4.0 space is our next generation automation controller. So that is what we call as Foresight Edge. And Foresight Edge is a unique automation controller in such a way that it basically brings the IoT protocols uh, so that you can get the high-frequency data as well as instant notifications. But not only that, you can store the high-frequency data at the edge. So this data that was never available to you before is now available to you. For example, take uh, rod lifts. With all the data that can be captured with the traditional controller for rod lifts, you could capture only 1,200 or 1,300 cards. But now with Foresight Edge, you can capture more than 3.5 million cards using the high-frequency data. Now imagine the power of this data when you're doing a well review or you're doing some sort of failure analysis. That's number one. Uh, The second part of it is the optimization engines itself. Mm -hmm. So what we've done is we've taken the foresight optimization engines and the well models and we've taken them to the edge at the controller level because of which uh, you will be able to use or consume the high-frequency data at the edge itself. So for those who don't know, what's the edge? Uh, the edge is really the controller that we're talking about, okay. right? Yeah. When I say the edge, it's at the well level okay. straight away, right? So the data does not have to wait to come to the back end where some human has to intervene and the software mm-hmm. platform at the back end has to work, yeah. right? So the foresight algorithms are now available at the edge, on foresight edge, basically. And then the high-frequency data can be consumed by the intelligent algorithms and you can have intelligent alerts coming right there. For example, slugging. You can have the high-frequency data and you can instantaneously alert the operator that there is slugging happening in a well, which may not have been ever detected because of the traditional SCADA polling and uh, the data not being really going back to identify that slugging issue. And the third part of it is really the autonomous control aspect of it. So traditionally, controllers have always been static in nature when setting the points for optimization. But now with Foresight, you can dynamically adjust those set points uh, such that you can achieve true level of optimization. Mm. So in a sense, you know, Foresight Edge brings in the data pieces, the communication pieces, the optimization pieces, and the autonomous control pieces all in one product okay again powered by our foresight production optimization platform and our signet iot platform that's impressive manoj has taken over the world i know (laughs) manoj and computers (laughs) (laughs) hey before you cut us out of here jake we gotta we gotta let manoj get going he's he's on a mission to keep taking over 
but I want to read a review real quick Yeah, go ahead. on our podcast. So this was left by C. Trevor 23. He said, no surprise that the new startup podcast is outstanding. Consider the source. These guys know more than I could ever hope to. And if you see them record live, no notes, pure knowledge of the industry. So appreciate you, C. Trevor 23, for leaving, leaving us that five-star review. If you're listening today, if you will, leave us a review on either iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, whatever you're listening to. That's, that that's really how we get more exposure. We can grow the show. Uh, it allows us to uh, keep doing what we're doing for you guys. By the way, we're at like, last time I checked, we're at like 1,500 downloads so far, which in the amount of time we've been doing this is like awesome, amazing by podcast yeah. metrics. So we appreciate you. We've got some really, really good content. Today's conversation was wonderful, like always. Uh, we've got a ton more just great content. Yeah, we're going to have to have Manoj come back on sometime because 30 minutes wasn't nearly enough to dive into their software. So, <laughs> no, Sure, sure, sure. Either, either me or one of my team members can also come by. Yeah. Yes. Manoj sure. is usually busy traveling the world, so it's hard Maybe to get we'll a hold do it of them. we the Wells next time. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do a quick install of the Wells. We'll do it in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll do a product test. <laughs> All right, Manoj, we appreciate you coming on, man. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Go, go, go.